You're listening to Our Two Cents with the team from SGL Financial, building wealth for life. Steve Lewitt is the president of SGL Financial and Gabriel Lewitt is the CEO. They're here to discuss all the latest in financial news, trends, strategies, and more. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Our Two Cents. Our Two Cents in the snow. In the snow. In the in the blizzard that is Illinois right now, wasn't too Chicago. Ba- wasn't too bad actually. I thought I have, it would be worse. I have a lot of snow in my house, and I can tell you firsthand from snow blowing it twice. Oh, sorry, I didn't snow uh, blow. <laughs> uh, a fairly large sized driveway. It uh, seems like a lot of snow, which is good. I mean, my kids are very happy about it. So hopefully, hopefully you're staying, you know, nice and warm at home. Got the fire on. Yeah, uh, make sure you salt so you don't slip and fall. Yep, very important. And uh, and thanks for joining us today. So maybe you're all cozied and uh, cozied in and uh, listening to our show. <laughs> Sounds it's not, I feel like going home and wrapping myself up. Yes, yes. So I think we've got a good one for you. We're going to talk about a couple of uh, I think you know current trending topics right now. Um, a couple interesting topics as well. And we're going to start off. I don't know if you've been following the news, Dad. I know you sometimes do. And you and I were chatting about this. Uh, uh, this GameStop situation is all over the internet right now. Yeah, I do follow the news <laughs> once in a while. I, I said I know you do. <laughs> you said sometimes do. <laughs> no, I think I said I know you do. Yeah, sometimes. Make sure you, is a, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> well, I, anyways, I, know, I said I know you and I were talking about this. Yeah, we were. This uh, GameStop situation. And you sent me a really good article that explained what was happening. Yes, because it's pretty complicated. It, yeah, you know, folks, if you weren't following, what we're going to talk a little bit just about the market as a whole, and, and this is a perfect example of how crazy it is, the stock market. And GameStop was trading at around, I don't know, $20 and in, in change. And, it, and if you're familiar with GameStop, which uh, many of you may not be unless you're gamers, the, the thought is that they're, they're going the way of Blockbuster, okay? And if you're familiar with Blockbuster... You remember what happened to them, Dad? Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the current price. Hey, hey Joe, pull up the current price of GameStop. Um, yeah, well, Blockbuster. I used to love going to Blockbuster, mm-hmm. searching for movies, and they didn't stay with the times. They never looked forward, and Blockbuster is no more. Adios. Yeah, now you got <laughs> so, Netflix. Yeah, so, so Blockbuster went the way of Netflix, Okay, uh, or if they had gone the way of Netflix, sorry, they they went the way of the dinosaur of the dinosaur because right. of Netflix, yep. and and really they didn't see the trend coming from physical stores to digital streaming, mm-hmm. and the challenge with GameStop, the the thought is that okay, here's a ton of physical stores, they're all in the malls, which are having a, a terrible time right now. Uh, gamers are starting to buy PS5s and Xboxes that are everything streaming. That's right. Right. So if everything's streaming, what's the future in GameStop, a physical store selling physical discs? Yeah. So if you don't know what streaming is, could you explain that, Gabriel? Yeah. You know, streaming is, you know, the, the rage right now on through the Internet. You get all your shows, all your TV. You know, most people are streaming TV now, uh, all just through the Internet. All you need is an Internet connection. And anything you want to play or watch or view is just done through your smart TV app or your phone. And you don't need to, you know, plug in a disc. If you're mm-hmm. a gamer, you don't need to install something. You know, you just stream it. Exactly. And so so that makes a lot of sense, right, when you look at GameStop. And so you say, you know, man, this, uh, this company is likely to go under. And so as a result of this, 
huge companies were shorting <laughs> this stock in the thought that it's going to go under and keep the price going to keep going down. Now, Dad, I know shorting itself is somewhat complicated. Can you give just a quick explanation of what short selling is? Yeah, so when you, when you buy an option called a uh, put, you're betting that the stock will go down in price. So um, I'm not going to get into puts options and uh, calls and straddles and things like that, but there's a bet that you believe the stock will go down. In order, in order to protect yourself, you have to buy the stock just in case it doesn't go down So, because someone's going to put it to you. So what will happen is uh, the, the stock becomes very volatile if there are enough puts out there and if you have a lot of calls out there, which are people that think the stock is going to go up. And what's happened here is that there's been tremendous activity by hedge funds and by the... Uh, self do-it-yourself platforms like uh, reddit or um uh what is it robin um robin hood uh these uh platforms have tremendous activity and they are driving the price of the stock up and down and nobody knows what it's going to do it's certainly not based on value yeah so so what was happening is you got these big hedge funds you think of them as the goliath in the room and they were shorting the stock meaning they they were you know selling short, meaning they wanted the price to drop so they could buy the shares at a lower price to deliver them back. So their hope is that the price is going to fall. And we had these individual investors on Reddit, like you were saying, that were grouping together, kind of like the little a lot of Davids against the big Goliath. And they said, we're going to artificially start to inflate the price of this stock. We're going to buy it. It's called the, the yeah, we're going to buy it long. And we're going to start driving up the price. And if, if enough of those individual investors start doing that, you start to see that price drive up. Mm -hmm. Now, this is, creates what's called a short squeeze, okay, which is as the short sellers start realizing the price is going the opposite direction, they realize we're going to be in for a huge loss here, right? If, if instead we have to keep buying these shares back at an even higher price, mm -hmm. our loss potential is in theory unlimited. So what they eventually do is they try to get out of their short position by selling, uh, by buy, by selling their short position, meaning they're buying it actually at a higher price. That's right. Which then in turn drives the price even higher because of the fact they're buying at a higher price combined with the puts and the calls and everything else you were talking about. Yes. They're really the call options. So as I said, Gabriel, this is very complicated. Yes, and what's yeah. interesting, so what this has done is it's driven the price up um, over 400%. And in fact, at one point it was up over, the price is currently at- uh, 269. 269, and it was, it was at 20. Right. At one go. And so, folks, why are we talking about this? Well, number one, it's in the news, and you might be hearing about it. It's a very interesting case study from my perspective on a couple things. One, that is, we've always talked about investing in the stock market. In individual stocks is a form of speculation, which is called gambling. Is anything that's happening right now with Game stocks, GameStop stock, try to say that fast, <laughs> right? <laughs> Is anything based on real-life uh, valuation or projections of the actual company here? No. No, it's, it's strictly a play uh, organized by uh, a group of people to drive the stock up to make profits. Yeah. And that play could go up, or there can be a play to drive a stock down uh, to... Uh, because uh, you want because you well, sold... Uh, it, it, it's funny you mention that because the... Uh, <laughs> 
part of the reason this group banded together, I mean, there's definitely profit motives involved. But number two is the short seller, and, and I'm going to get to the kind of the, the philosophical consequences of this in a second. They were going out there and publishing videos on social media sites talking about why they think GameStop is going to tank. Mm-hmm. So is that market manipulation is the question. Well, that is, that is real, the question. But then you got to ask, uh, is all the computer trading that takes place the minute the market moves one way or another, thousands, millions of computers automatically start trading. Is that market ma- manipulation? Yeah, is a group of uh, thousands of individual investors banding together to, uh, what they did was they can find, there's data that shows how many short positions are held in a given company. So they can go and they can find that data. Then they can band together to artificially create this short squeeze and create a profit for themselves along the way. <laughs> is that, you know, is that market manipulation? Yes. And, the, and the quick answer is it's a very gray area that is yet to, it's actually being exacerbated by social media today mm-hmm. and the ability for people to connect and share information than like they've ever been able to before. And it just goes to show, I think my key, kind of the point here I want to make, folks, is, is investing in the market. I mean, there are people out there taking advantage of this wave and they might make a lot of money, um, but th- this is a bubble that will pop in a very near future here. And that, that price is going to come crashing back down to reality. And that's the difference, Gabriel, between even if you're buying companies, because we don't, in our, the way we manage money, folks, is we don't buy companies. We buy uh, broadly based index funds and virtually buy all the stocks uh, that are out there uh, with great asset uh, allocation classification, which all the research says the reason that a portfolio grows is not by buying the right stock, it's by having great asset allocation. Mm-hmm. So my point is this, is that if you're going to be, if you're the type of person that wants to buy individual stocks and you're basing it on the evaluation of the company and the earnings of the company and your long-term investor, I'm down with that. I, that has uh, a lot of sense behind it. Mm-hmm. The problem is we get caught in the short-term cycles. We don't think out 10 or 15 years. And we want to get on the bandwagon. You know, I wanted to get on the Zoom bandwagon. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to, why did I miss the Bitcoin bandwagon? You know, why did I miss the uh, GameStop bandwagon? And that's gambling. That is just taking a flyer. Well, and the, and the challenge is by the time you learn about this, right, by the time the, the mainstream news realized what was going on here and reporting on it, the bubble could, it could be at the end. It could keep going. But nobody knows how long. And so, folks, there, you know, there's certain nothing, nothing wrong. I've always said this before. If you're going to speculate in the individual stock market, don't do so with more than, you know, 10% of your overall money. Okay, that yeah, you, and I, and if you can only if you could afford to lose it all, and if you say to yourself, "I can't afford to lose all my money or even ten percent of my money," then don't speculate it with individual stocks like this. Very risky, very very risky. Incredibly um, emotional, momentum driven, psychological herd behavior <laughs> driven. It's just mm-hmm. it's very interesting to look at from an outside perspective and see what's going on. Yeah, and from an economist point of view, Gabriel, uh, you know we look at. Uh, an economist looks at a market. A market is supposed to be self, self, uh, self uh, balancing. You got supply and demand, and you got individuals bidding for prices, and so on and so on and so on. So that's the definition of a market. As soon as that market gets manipulated, or as soon as it has monopolies of people, or large chunks of uh, 
uh, people that have power and can control the market. It's no longer a market. Mm -hmm. So you could argue that the stock market is really not a market anymore. It's really something else. In a lot of ways. Very, so very interesting. So that was just some food for thought, folks. And if in case you were uh, you know, wondering, should you buy GameStop <laughs> <laughs> or Games? Uh, I, I don't know. Not <laughs> you know? Bitcoin. Is, uh, uh, yeah, how about Bitcoin? Oh, my God. Bitcoin. What a roller coaster this year. Up and yeah. down, you know, huge, huge swings on a daily basis. Um, very, very volatile. Again, another bubble, in my opinion. Um, doesn't mean, yeah, look at that, Joe. I think he brought it up here on the screen. It, it was at 40,000 less than a couple of weeks ago. Now it's at 30,000. I mean, these, these are huge swings. I mean, these are basically- That's 30,000 a share, folks. These are basically bear markets you know, happening and- but, you know, but, but you can buy a piece of a share yeah, you in can Bitcoin. Buy, yeah, you can buy a fractional shares too. So. Interesting stuff there, and uh, yeah, if you have questions, what stock is going to do what, who knows? Yeah, that's always our answer. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. Hard to know for sure. Okay, <clears throat> let's move on. Our second topic here, folks, is uh, related to one of my favorite things in the world, wine. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good bottle. Who does How about a good glass? <laughs> well, I meant, I didn't mean drink <laughs> the whole bottle. You drink a bottle of wine. <laughs> Sometimes I mean I have it before. It's not a common occurrence. Mm. Uh, but I meant uh, who you know if you go and you look on the uh, fancy TV shows, you know the millionaires and the billionaires, and they got these massive wine cellars, and they've got this uh, vintage. Yeah, I have a wine. Uh, I have a wine shelf. I've got a wine cooler, a couple <laughs> bottles in there. Yeah. But you know, you know they've got this vintage uh, fine wine from 1996 that. Uh, what do they do with that bottle, that finest vintage that they have in they there? They never drink it. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, if you have such a rare wine. It's like a painting. You hang it on the wall you know, and look at it. The, prob the problem with having such a fine wine is that you never want to drink it because it's so, it's so fine. You just want to hold on to it to that special occasion and never, never drink it. I actually have a similar problem, which is every, every uh, year for Christmas – my uh, my wife's mother gives me a bottle of Camus, which is one of my favorite wines. Oh, my number one. Okay, and uh, usually I drink like a ten dollar, fifteen, twenty dollar bottle of wine, and so this Camus is a is a higher quality fine wine, and uh, sure enough, I uh, I look at it a lot in my wine shelf, and I say, well, I can't drink this tonight. Or huh. if I have five people over, I'm like, eh, we might have a we might have a time when there's ten people over. I should save it for that point. <laughs> so. Usually what will happen is after a period of like two years, I'll be like, all right, I got to drink this thing. <laughs> I'll just crack it open and finally drink the darn thing. But that's the problem, right? And so, what, okay, what does this so have to do what, with... What, what is... I know you're getting to a point I'm here. I'm getting to the point, yeah. Uh, so I had to lead into it. But uh, if you have a Roth IRA, which we've talked about on the show, mm -hmm. and I've said this before, and, and I finally... Actually, I saw an article that was talking exactly about this point that I'm going to make. And it just reminded me that I want to emphasize this. It says your Roth IRA is like a fine wine. And here's what they mean by that. And I've seen this day in and day out in our business. Most people that have a Roth IRA don't have a huge amount of money in it. They've got fifty thousand, a hundred thousand. I've seen I've seen a couple clients that have three, four hundred thousand in a Roth IRA. They never ever want to spend it. Ever. That's they right. don't want to tap into it. Why? Because it's a small percentage of their overall portfolio, or it's a, it's the finest wine in their wine cellar, mm -hmm. and you always want to save it for a time when it makes more sense to use it. 
And unfortunately, in our minds, that time rarely ever comes. And so it's such an interesting psychological effect because you hear everywhere, contribute to your Roth, contribute to your Roth, contribute to your Roth. It's such a great tax advantage tool, right? It's tax-free in the future forever. So you always want to wait until you know you really have that need to use that tax-free benefit. And, and you might wait until the day you pass away and never, ever use it. It, it is interesting, Gabriel, <laughs> because we sit with clients and they, they have a special, you know, they need income for this coming year. Yep. And we're, we're planning. Yep. And uh, the first thing they'll always say is, well, I don't want to touch my Roth. Yeah. Well, why not? Well, so it's, uh, it's it's so good. It's tax-free, you know. Uh, what if I, taxes I, go up next year? I should save my Roth. I, right for next year when taxes are higher. Right. Uh, and that has to do with something folks call income sequencing, which is where do you get your income from? Do you take it from a Roth? Do you take it from a qualified account like an IRA or a SEP? Or do you take it from your after-tax money? So mm -hmm. uh, there's actually mathematical reasons to take it from one or another. But our psychology says, you know, I just don't want to touch that one. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say like me with my bodily camus, after two years, you're staring at that thing and you say, you know what? I really need to crack. <laughs> I got to crack this bottle of wine open at some point. Let's look at a couple of reasons of when you should crack into your Roth IRA that make more sense than others. I like this analogy, Gabriel. Well, I, but Joe, Joe is a Joe. You have you're a beer drinker, right? Oh, he drinks. <laughs> He's an everything drinker. Yes. That's a good drink. That's a good, that's the best kind. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You yeah. think we were alcoholics. All right. Here. Back to one. All right. Um, okay. So here's the question. Number one here. Is this one of your higher earning years that you are going to have, um, you know, and you have a big Roth IRA balance and you need some additional money? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's say you're after 59 and a half. Okay, you've got uh, you making you're making good money three four hundred thousand dollars, and you need some extra money uh, to withdraw for a big expense. Or you got a big bonus that year, you know. So uh, the bottom line is is if you take extra money from a taxable account or an IRA, mm -hmm. and you're already in a high tax bracket, you're going to pay the highest marginal rate. So that could be a very good time to tap into your Roth IRA, okay, because it'll be tax free when you're already at a very high rate. Now, that might not apply to most people. The second one might be uh, a good, or a good uh, better choice for most people here is what do you think the stock market will do, <laughs> right? If the stock market's going to have a uh, big decline in the very near future, meaning we're near the peak, right, what would be a better choice to withdraw from, Dad, your Roth IRA or your traditional IRA? Ask me that question again, Gabriel. <laughs> if you think the market is going to crash soon. Yes. So we're at the high point. Yes. Is it better to withdraw from your traditional IRA or your Roth IRA? Said conversely, if the market were to crash and you're at the bottom of the crash, would it be better to sell a traditional IRA at that point or a Roth IRA when the market is Tradici low? Uh, traditional. Right. Yeah. Did I get that right? You did. Oh, good. Because I have different scenarios going through my <laughs> head, which says, well, it, sometimes- It can be hard to visualize. Well, those. sometimes I would and sometimes I well, wouldn't. So, yeah, so let's yeah. walk through this, right? If the market yeah. just crashed- Yeah, I want to take as much out as I can. From or your taxable, from your accounts from my, be taxed. From my IRA. Right. Yeah, so either I want to take it out for income or I want to convert it to mm -hmm. a Roth right at that point right. when the market's low. Correct. And so when the market's really, really high, counterintuitively, again, this is- Understanding, this is, folks, when should you ideally tap your fine Roth IRA wine here? Uh, you should do it at the top of the market versus the bottom. 
Definitely. Okay. So keep that in mind as you're planning your income for this year. uh, Again, this is all in context of it's hard to ever tap into it, but if you were, um, that's the uh, right time. Yeah, or if you're close to a Social Security breakpoint, or if you're close to an Irma breakpoint, or something like that. Yeah, and you still need additional income. And you need more income, that's the time to open the bottle of wine. Now, my final point here, folks, is, uh, is like me, if you've waited two years to to, to open that bottle of Camus, um, what you know maybe maybe when you finally reach a certain age let's say you are uh, i'm just going to throw it out there uh, 70 uh, 76 years old uh, you come up with your own age and you realize man i have yet to tap this fine roth ira wine mm-hmm. maybe you just go on a roth ira spending spree and spend it all over the next 3 or 4 years and just have total tax free love you know in- income exactly. love it and just and love it just have fun you know because what are you saving it for well, some pe- well, there is a reason you might want to pass a well, legacy, yeah. legacy you wanna, to your kids correct, or correct. to your heirs, somebody that is tax-free. So, and that's what a lot of people do, say, well, at least they're going to get it tax-free too. And that's yeah. true. But the question is, did you, did you save it for you or for your kids? And the question is, if you use the Roth, is that, if you save the Roth, will you actually wind up leaving less in legacy because of the way your income is flowing from other sources. Yeah. So, so it, it all goes, you, you know what I'm going to say, Gabriel, it all goes back to having this all planned out and having a reason for having the Roth and what you're going to do with it in the future and where it fits into the puzzle. Yeah, and I'm just, you know, I'm even simpler than that is, you know, yes, you should contribute to a Roth and yes, Roth IRAs are terrific, but don't let it age indefinitely and never get to enjoy the fruits of your smart decisions earlier on in life i got to tell you something gabriel yeah camus is way overpriced you know i think it's uh you know i've been using that as an example there are better (laughs) there are better wines (laughs) i just want you to know that (laughs) i think there you know it isn't i don't know if it's even my favorite i had something the other day that was a i think it was an 80 or 90 dollar bottle i can't i can't recall what it was it was a gift it was a gift i know it was a gift. yeah i know you know who gave it to me (laughs) right uh, it was one of our um uh, we have a we have a mortgage friend. I'll even shout out to his name here, um, Bruce. Yep. Bruce Boofy. Mm-hmm. Uh, at uh, oh gosh, uh, I don't know. Mor- I mortgage guy. <laughs> uh, uh, Joe's gonna <laughs> pull Draper and Kramer, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, so he's a great guy. You know, we do a, a ton of uh, um, you know business with him and referring him our clients. He does a great job for them. So if you're in a need for a mortgage or refinance, Bruce. Uh, hopefully you'll get a couple names or calls, uh, but uh, you know, just as a thank you, he gave us a really nice bottle of wine for uh, for the holidays here. And I opened it up, and I can't recall what the name was. I should have written it down or taken a picture, but it was it was phenomenal. It was to, very, it very was good. great. It was great. So, anyways, okay. Anyway, enough about wine. So our next show is going to be on wine on wine on wine tasting. Right? Is it five o'clock? I'm, I'm drinking my coffee. Yes. <laughs> All right. So our last topic here for today is. One that I think is very, very meaningful. And here's why. You know, the question, you know, when you're out there investing in money and finances and stocks and trying to see your assets grow, it can it can start to feel like everything in the world is all about money, 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 money and having more and making more. And the question is, is is there more than just money in the world? Well, we say the richness of life is in our uh, all in all of our material, and we know, and I think everybody on this uh, on this uh, podcast understands that money will not make you happy. Right. 
In other words, if you if you were a billionaire and you were killing yourself to become a billionaire, then you realize uh, Bezos is worth <laughs> 160 billion. Who knows? How, a trillion dollar. There's always somebody wealthier than you. I mean, chasing after money is like is a never. It's a it's a. What's the phrase? I don't know. Zero sum game. No, that's it's not it. It's never ending. Uh, I'm terrible with the metaphors here, yeah. the analogies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, think of it in terms a, of wines. I. Uh, I don't know how to do that. Right. But anyways, there's there's you never win. You never win the game. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a dog chasing his tail. Yeah, you can't win. Was that a good one? Yes. The dog chasing the tail? Yes. All right, you can't you know, you can't catch it. And so the question is what is really true wealth? What is you know, what is more important than money? And we have a story here about the uh, Japanese Warren Buffett. Okay. Uh, on the number one secret to success, wealth, and happiness in life. Yeah, I've been following this guy for uh, quite have some you, time. Have you? Yeah, because I just found this online. Yeah. No, I, it's amazing re- that you found it. Recent article, very interesting. This guy is absolutely amazing. He's like the happiest person and was the happiest person in the world. And uh, he's Japanese, Wahai Takeda. And he is, um, I think he was a cookie person or yeah, something no, like he, that. He was the founder of Takeda Confectionery Co., and a Japanese cookie tycoon. Yeah, but this did guy... You know, did you know there was such a thing? No, I didn't. As a cookie tycoon? I didn't know that. Uh, but he's owned like uh, high percentages of the best stocks for a long time. He's, he is like Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. And um, his, uh, his uh, idea or thought is that money's great. It's never ending. There's, uh, you can't get more of it. But the quality of life has to do with uh, other things like your peace of mind, love, gratitude, uh, saying thank you, appreciation, and all the other qualities that have nothing to do with money. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pr- I don't know if I'm pronouncing this the right way. Maro, M-A-R-O, is, uh, I believe it's a Japanese phrase, which is short for magokoro. In, it means a sincere heart, and he said that Maro is the key to a happy and abundant life. Yeah. Okay, and uh, here are some interesting things about this gentleman. So, as we said, he was the founder of the Takeda Confectionery, and apparently their biggest seller was Tamago Boro, which sells bite-sized biscuits shaped like eggs. Mm-hmm. Sounds tasty. I'm hungry, by the way, as well. We, we need we need uh, we got wine and biscuits <laughs> <laughs> today. Nice breakfast. Oh my goodness! And, and what's interesting, he, it says here that if you went to visit his factory that you would find workers listening to music of children singing arigato, which means thank you in Japanese. And Takeda believed that serenading the snacks with the expression of thanks served as a reminder that it's the staff's hard work and continued customer loyalty that keeps the company going. Yeah, he went even further than that. He said that that, uh, that whole attitude goes into the food. So when you eat the food, you feel better because it was made with a ha- by a happy person. Yes. And so really the, the key takeaway here is um, can you find something, you know, in life that is more than money, okay, that is, you know, along this lines of maro, which is, short, again, short for magokoro in Japanese, meaning a sincere heart. And so how do you achieve this state? Uh, you've heard these things before. Uh, you find something that's really, truly meaningful to you, 
Okay, and for him, it, it might have even been his business. It might even be for you, your business. But usually it's something that doesn't involve making tons of money. And if you do it the right way, money might follow. But you're doing something that's true to your heart that really gives you um, a meaning and a sense of purpose in life beyond just making money. You know, Gabe, <clears throat> this is personal, but uh, a lot of people say, Steve, why, why do you keep doing what you're doing? You know, why don't you just retire? Mm-hmm. And the fact is, I love what I'm doing. It's not the money. I've never, you know what's interesting, Gabriel? I, I think you know this, or maybe you know. I've never been really, I love making money, mm-hmm. but I'm not motivated by money. Yeah. It, it just doesn't switch me on. It's like, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I doing? What am I putting out into the world? Uh, what people, is this helping people or I'm doing this just to make money? Yeah. Um, I love our business because I know that we help people achieve higher levels of peace of mind. And to me, that's what life is all about. Everybody wants one thing, and as far as I'm concerned, is everybody wants peace of mind. Well, it's, I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> I mean, I'm you, sure there's somebody out there yeah, that just they, wants they just to be thrive angry. Off the, thrive <laughs> off the chaos. Um, right. Anyway, so if you, you know, according to Takeda here, if you increase your motto, Marrow, Marrow. <laughs> I wish I knew how to say it. Yep. Uh, you'll become more magnetic, emitting and attracting positive energy. Because, of course, if you surround yourself with good people and things you truly care about, it creates a cycle of happiness and abundance. Mm-hmm. Very important. Uh, you become more passionate and energized to accomplish things that are important to you. Okay. And uh, when you're doing what you love most, you uh, will open more doors to new opportunities. They open by themselves. Th- that's even better. Mm-hmm. And if you express more gratitude for life, you'll increasingly find yourself saying, thank you, since gratitude is courageous, uh, courageous, contagious. contagious. I'm reading this here because I didn't, I didn't come up with these quotes. <laughs> but, uh, and then others will start to express their gratitude and welcome more abundance into their lives as well. So, Gabriel, what, what, are, you, what are you thankful for? What am I, I, I'm very thankful in this time of this pandemic to have a, a very steady and successful business. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, similar to you, I, I really enjoy what I do, what I do. Um, to me, I, I look forward to coming to work. I have fun at the office. I have fun with our team. Um, it doesn't really feel like work to me. And I think that's, uh, I'm very thankful for that. What's something small that you're thankful for? Small? So, you know, like a, li- a little thing. Size, like my kids? <laughs> They're small. Uh, no, that's big. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, something like insignificant mm. that you wouldn't normally say I'm, I'm thankful I'm always for thankful that. for a sunny day, and it's not a sunny day today. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love it in the yeah. winter. In Sunny days in Chicago winters, Yep, I'm very thankful for Yeah, that. likewise. Um, well, I, I was thinking of that, you know, I get a cup of coffee. I love when I take my first sip of coffee in the morning. And, you know, I've never thought of myself having gratitude for that. But that's something that I can do, and that's kind of there for me. A little zap of energy. Yeah, little things mean a lot. Yeah. Um, So this idea of gratitude and what it can do in terms in business, we normally don't think of folks uh, in terms of business. It's always about making money. Uh, But there's a whole other side to it that this guy, Takeda, I think is his name, how you say it, uh, Takeda has uh, opened a door to that I think is very, very compelling. Yeah. And so folks out there, you know, we just want you to, you know, reflect a little bit. Think about something you're grateful for today. Think about uh, what it is that gives you meaning. Uh, I know I used this example before on a show about a client that uh, retired and then chased his uh, dream of writing children's books. 
Oh yeah, um, right. that's a perfect example. I mean, what it is, what is it that makes you really excited and motivated beyond just money? And can you get out there and pursue it this year? Mm-hmm. And uh, just a great, uh, great self-reflective question. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the, those comments uh, from that uh, gentleman. Unfortunately, he did pass away. I think it was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but his uh, his comments there and his uh, motivation uh, motivations will live on. Definitely, yeah. definitely so, something to think about. Yeah. So, folks, uh, thanks so much. Uh, we are grateful for you, of course, our listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed our show here today. Uh, stay warm. Go open a fine bottle of your. Uh, maybe finest or semi-finest wine. Enjoy. It, it, I used to. I <laughs> table wine is good for me. Go buy some cheap uh, and good. Some bite-sized egg-shaped biscuit cookies and uh, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your day. And stay safe. And, well, if you need anything from us, of course, go to our website sglfinancial.com. Call us eight four seven four nine nine three 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 zero. Uh, email us info at sglfinancial.com and uh, let us know how we can help you. If there's anything you need help with. Stay safe, everybody. Be happy. Be happy. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Our Two Cents with Steve and Gabriel Lewitt. For any questions about your finances, give SGL a call at 847-499-3330 or visit us on the web at sglfinancial.com. And be sure to subscribe to join us on next week's episode. Investment advisory services are offered through SGL Financial LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance and other financial products are offered separately through individually licensed and appointed agents.